Thank you for all the nice emails that you've been sending and the comments that you've been leaving on iTunes. It helps me to know that people are listening and enjoying the show, and it's just nice to wake up in the morning and read something nice in my inbox. This is a small section of a long email sent to me by someone named Phineas. On a more serious note, it really has been great to listen to your show, and I'm so glad I found it. I love all these musicians, and I'm all about the backstory slash history. I feel like you can only glean but so much insight into what a person's all about from listening to an album or going to a show, but you've managed to really dig a little deeper, and it's been so interesting. Hayes Carl, all stoned, scaring Guy Clark's wife, burning bodies in the desert, doctors and lawyers on Harleys riding up to some kind of serious-ass biker meeting, blood on the tomatoes, the list goes on, and these are stories that are also bizarre slash ridiculous that we couldn't make it up if we wanted to. I apologize if I'm starting to ramble, but just wanted to let you know that I've been listening and loving every bit of it. So thank you so much. Thank you, Phineas, and I appreciate you sending that email to me. Hi friends, this is Otis Gibbs and you're listening to Thanks for Giving a Damn. I'm sitting here in a hotel room in Hope, Arkansas, and I think that says everything. This is a personal journal, this is a bit of an experiment, and I like to say right up front that I haven't the slightest idea what I'm doing, but I decided to do it anyway. And this show was founded with the idea that there are only two people in art that matter. There's the creative individual and the person experiencing it, and everything else is an artificial filter. And this is a way for me to share things with you guys without any filters whatsoever. My guest this week is Lydia Loveless. Lydia is a singer-songwriter based out of Columbus, Ohio. And you can find out everything you need to know about Lydia at LydiaLoveless.com. Lydia and her husband Ben were nice enough to stop by my house when they were on their way to Little Rock, Arkansas from Columbus, Ohio. And they drove about six hours to get to Nashville, got in real late at night. And while the band was sleeping in the hotel room, Lydia and Ben came over to my house and we recorded this uh, little chat. I had a really nice hang with her and I enjoyed talking to them and they seemed like really good people. I'd met them a few times out on the road, but didn't really get to spend that much time together. So it was really nice getting to chat and catch up a little bit. But they're real good people and I think you're going to enjoy this. This is Lydia Loveless. We were in Pagosa Springs doing this thing called the Outlaw Snowdown, which is really cool. It's only the second year of that, I think. Um, and it's this awesome festival. Like, they had Shooter Jennings and Fifth on the Floor and a couple other people this year. Can't think of the names. <laughs> but uh, And last year it was, like, Elizabeth Cook, and it was really awesome. And so I was excited to do it again. And... Uh, the weather got a little worse than it was last year. So on the way in, it was like, oh, God, what are we doing? We're stupid. <laughs> we made it just in time to do the show. And there's like a distillery there and that we always hang out with. And we're just like, woo, having a good time, partying. And even though I knew I had to get up at 5 in the morning to fly out to, of Denver to Sweden. So I'm just kind of hanging out, roll back up to our condo that we had and 
miraculously wake up at like 4.30 the next day and we're all ready to go and we get in the van and we just immediately hear the snow chains that we had on the tires just start going whap, 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 and like beating against the side of the van and we're like, oh, it's probably okay. We get up on Wolf Creek Pass and it just sounds like aliens and Satan are trying to break into the van <laughs> through this tire chain and we're just like, oh my God, I was like recording snippets of it for posterity and kind of dozed off and I just hear, oops, worst case scenario and we pull over and... Apparently we had a flat tire, but it was just like this twisted, mangled tire that was like sideways. <laughs> and I'm like, holy shit. So we called AAA and waited actually. Pro- it felt like a couple hours. Maybe it was only like an hour, but they just kept calling back like, are you sure you're safe? And we're just like, no, not really. We're on the side of a mountain and could probably fall off in any minute here. So finally we get a tow out of there and... It's Sunday in Colorado in a small town, so by the time we get down the mountain, nothing's open, and we get out the spare, and it's flat. The guy pumps it up for us and puts it on. We drive for maybe two minutes and start sounding like the tire's going to fall off, (laughs) and I don't know anything about cars, so here's the part where I'm like, the wibbly-wobbly stuff started falling off and the nuts and bolts, but uh, basically the tire was not fitting on because we didn't have the right tire iron or wrench or whatever the dudes use to put on the tires. And uh, yeah, we're just sitting in front of this closed tire shop for like half an hour just wondering what the hell we're going to do because we've already gotten our toe for the day from AAA and we're just like, wow, we're going to sit here for an eternity or we'll have to walk to a hotel and just stay here until tomorrow. And then this old man pulls up and gets out of the car and he's like, Y'all guys looking for a tire? Follow me. And I was just like, this is where we all get murdered. And I just saw our deaths. And uh, anyway, we follow this guy and he goes into this house. And I'm like, no one is going into the house with this guy. But he finally comes out with a phone number for the guy who owns the tire shop that we were sitting in front of. And we call the guy. And at first his wife was like, oh, he can't help you today. He's got a family dinner in 45 minutes. And this is like noon. So I'm like. Apparently in Colorado, they eat dinner at noon. But uh, (laughs) the guy actually ends up coming out and changing the tire. And he said the guy that that led us to him always steals his newspaper off of his lawn. So I think he wanted to, like, help him out and give him some business or something. (laughs) I don't know. So did you uh, make it to to your flights? Yeah, no, we... uh, because at the time, my manager was, like, calling me back and forth. And he's like, we've got another rescheduled for 5.30 this evening. And I, I already knew, like, we're not going to get the hell out of here because it's, like, mountain passes and snow. And so we thought we were going to get a flight out the next day. And we go to Denver Airport. And there's nothing there. It's, like, the flattest, most boring place in the world is to be at the Denver Airport. And I thought there would be something there. But there's, like, one bar and everything's overpriced and stupid and... So the day after that, like, we, like, watched the Grammys and got drunk and then flew out the next day. And it was glorious. Because I have super bad fear of uh, flying. But after all that, it was just, like, get me on a damn plane, anything. I won't go into space (laughs) at this point. Just get me out of this place. I, I believe that the only normal people are the people who are terrified of flying. 
yeah. I don't think there's anything right about feeling calm on an airplane. It's, yeah, it's pretty scary. Like, especially the takeoff. I mean, I have weird fears about everything. So I just always picture like the bottom falling out of the plane and like, whoa, because it just feels so weird when you're taking off and like everything's pulling you back and your ears are popping. And it's just like, we're going to be flying in the air. There's nothing normal about that. And everyone's like, it's safer than a car. Like, I could get in a minor fender bender on the road, but if I'm flying in the freaking sky, there's nothing. And I'm going to die around a bunch of strangers who are screaming. Like, I think that's the worst part. In the event that you do crash, you're just going to hear horrible people that you don't like freaking out and their reaction to what's going on around you, which is not good. <laughs> like, I don't want to hear Billy Bob Jr. talk about dying when I'm dying. I don't know. And I don't want to be watching, you know, Dick and Liz or whatever I watched on the flight. <laughs> you have thought this out. Yeah, I think about those. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I'm not afraid on planes and I mm -hmm. think that that's a completely abnormal thing. I should mm -hmm. be terrified. I have to say I've gotten a little bit used to it. Um I mean, I've only flown like a few times recently cuz I like never flew. I went like 10 years without flying on a plane and then in the past year I've been to Europe couple times so I feel like this expert or something but I don't know there's always the initial fear of just take off and and it was nice on the way to Sweden we flew Lufthansa and they, the, all the drinks were free and like everything was great the plane was huge I didn't really have to sit next to anyone and then on the way home we flew United where it's like paying for drinks tiny planes can't do this can't do that it was funny because I like left Sweden and there was no, like, stamping of my passport when we got in. No one checked anything. It was like, wow, everyone's so relaxed. And then we get home, and I thought it would be funny to wear this Ohio flag dress that I just had made because it looked, like, super patriotic, and I was wearing my cowboy boots. And I was just like, huh, security's not going to bother me. And then, of course, I set off, like, eight alarms. Everyone's patting me down. I got into an argument with the lady at security because she wanted to take me into, like, a private room. And I was like, I'm not going to get naked for you so if you just need to touch my boobs here i'm not shy about it and she was like wah she was like horrified that i thought she wanted to like <laughs> molest me or something <laughs> and i was just thinking no i just don't care if you need to just pat me down here and she thought i was just being really belligerent and i probably was because it was a nine-hour flight with vodka tonics and too many bad movies so I mean, you really can't be blamed for the way you act when you get back into your car. It's like, how could we make you look more insane and out of your element and then be like, have you got any bacon paste in your in your suitcase there that we can confiscate? Like, I don't know. Super paranoid. It sucks. Bacon paste? <laughs> yeah. I did. <laughs> they didn't take my damn bacon paste. They're not going to get it. I've never even heard of bacon paste. Well, we got it in Sweden. It's like... uh. I guess Ost is cheese, so it's like bacon cheese in a tube. Okay. So it's like Swedish cheese Whiz, sort of, but bacon flavored. I think the best sandwiches I've ever had are in Sweden. Oh, yeah. And I have no idea why, but they put things like pears and walnuts on sandwiches. And It's amazing. You go to the gas station, and like in America, it's like you might get a chicken salad if you're lucky at the gas station. But there, it's like, we put orange slices, smoked salmon, cheese, uh, prosciutto, You're like stuff you can't even get. In America for less than, you know, $20 a pound. And they just put it on their gas station sandwiches. It's like, oh. Yeah. You go to the Continental Breakfast and there's liver pate. Like, 
which sometimes I got a little overeager, like, oh, I'm hungover. How about some salty liver and caviar and <laughs> Swiss cheese? Mm. Basically, we had just gotten home from Europe the day before, and we had, like, our big homecoming show scheduled, and it was the day before Thanksgiving. And uh, we had to get there at 5 p.m. for sound check, but we never actually ended up getting one. And it's this huge bar in Columbus that used to be a church, so I was really excited to play there because I thought, wow, it's going to be great sound, and it's going to be our homecoming show, so everyone's going to treat me nice. And then it just started getting really weird. They had, like... 20 security guards for some reason and there was really no need for that and everyone kind of left the green room and got back to the green room and no one had wristbands because no one had given them to us and the security guards are like who the fuck are you ah like freaking out like it's you know the al rosa and dimebag daryl's playing or something but no pun intended but um but yeah like they just started getting really crazy with everybody and like threw my dad up against the wall he was playing drums for me at the time, and I just got really angry, and uh, there was nothing to do but drink, because uh, <laughs> we played at one in the morning after having arrived there at five. And uh, so, yeah, by the time we got on stage, it was like, I just didn't care anymore. <laughs> and uh, I think I played, like, My Kind of Lover by Billy Squire, and just kind of at the end of the show, I mooned everybody, and I feel kind of bad about it, but... Not really, because it's just one of the, I don't know, you have to play shows like that sometimes where it wasn't the best performance, but it felt really good. <laughs> so well, I don't know. It seemed like the appropriate thing to, yeah, to do at the good. time. Yeah. You know, they threw your dad up against a wall? Yeah, I mean, it was really ridiculous. So It is. Well, I got really upset because it was just unnecessary. Um, and it was bizarre. Like at the end of the night, I went upstairs to go to the bathroom because it's this huge building and you have to go up like four flights of stairs to find a bathroom. And, like, five guys followed me up there and were waiting for me to come out. I'm like, why are you monitoring me peeing? Like, I swear that's all I'm going to do. But it was really ridiculous. Uh, don't book that place anymore. Yeah. <laughs> There's better places to play. <laughs> Everything is amplified so much when you're in a van. Yeah. And you're a touring musician. And uh, whenever I hear bands break up or things like that, I'm never surprised because you can always see that they were in yeah. a band for two years every single day. And, uh, yeah. I mean, it's really hard to get on the road with people. I mean, especially for me because I just take it pretty hard anyway for some reason. I just get really depressed before I leave. And then you're just sitting in this van and, like, you just need some water, but you have to go cry climb over a bunch of seats and grab it out of a box and then you're hungry and you have to eat chips and you have to pee and someone has gone in and had diarrhea all over the gas station toilet seat. It's just like everything is so different from just being at home. And so everyone's personalities start to get kind of way too extreme. I can especially be very crabby. So I would say I don't know how people put up with me <laughs> probably. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, you can just get sick of people like – and obviously, like, I live with my husband, so we get in the van, and it's just, like, not exactly lovey-dovey behavior. <laughs> I'm just like, get out of my face. But, um, but yeah, it's also nice because I know if I went on tour in another way without my husband, I'd be like, I wish he was here to, you know, kiss my ass and 
load my equipment. <laughs> Sometimes I envy the people who do leave their spouses and girlfriends and everything behind because it's like they seem like they miss them, whereas we don't really ever miss each other. <laughs> so I don't know. But so that would be nice. But I also know like whenever in the event that he's left with like other bands, he's gone for three days and I'm like curled up in the fetal position crying because I like wish he would come home. So <laughs> I know that it's not as glamorous as as it seems. Did you grow up in the in Columbus or uh, I was born there, but I actually grew up in uh Shockton uh, Actually, the town was Newcastle, where I lived, and I grew up on a farm, so a little bit different. How big was the farm? Um, It was like 80 acres. We had cattle and uh, goats and horses and just lots of corn and all kinds of vegetables and stuff, so yeah, um, pretty uh, sustainable living out there, and uh, we were homeschooled, so... I did a lot of that, obviously, in the morning, was just doing my schoolwork, and uh, we would help feed the horses and the cows and weed the garden and all kinds of interesting stuff like that. I remember helping my dad make hay and, like, driving the tractor, but, you know, you're not really driving it, you're steering it, but obviously. (laughs) (laughs) It felt so cool, but now as an adult, I've lived in the city for almost 10 years now. So I'm like, I know how to do all that stuff. But if I had to go back, I'd be like, what the hell am I doing now? (laughs) I could not bail hay by myself probably, but it was good times. My dad had these one cattle called like White Galloway and they were really pretty and I guess they were pretty rare back then. So he mostly had those just to like up the population and they were really pretty. So it was always sad when like, a stray bullet would get one or something, but um, but we also just had uh, cattle for beef. That was mostly what we did, so that we could eat. Why were there stray uh, bullets flying around? Because crazy people lived out there. I don't know. It only happened a couple times, but I guess it stuck in my memory because it was the White Galloways, and they were like these beautiful snowy white cows, and they were so gentle. And then a couple times, an idiot would just like, oh, I'm out deer hunting, and then your little baby cow. I don't know. It's sad. That's terrible. (laughs) Yeah. um, There was nowhere to really play out where I grew up, so we would drive. It was like an hour and a half to Columbus. And uh, my first shows were at a place called Bernie's, um, which was kind of like a rock bar. So when I first got there, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I was like 14 and in a band and it was kind of creepy because I, it was like older, punky, dirty people. (laughs) And I was just like (laughs) a homeschooled kid from the country. And I eventually started realizing that those were the kind of people I probably fit in with. (laughs) So yeah. But did you know about uh, the history there in Columbus of, uh, like Big Back 40, the Haynes Boys, Yeah, I mean, two I didn't Cal know about all the bands at the time, but um, my dad had always told me that it was, like, the best bar in Columbus when he was a kid, and, like, it had a lot of soul and memories there. And, um, yeah, you could definitely tell that there was a history there when you went there, and everybody knew everybody and was really into music. 
it's changed a bit since then, but but back then it was really still going strong. Maybe you've heard of Legbone. They used to play there. Um, I feel like, I don't know, I saw the Queers there a couple times. Um, the Feelers were a band that I used to go see there a bunch. The Spits played there a couple times. So There's a lot of all-ages uh, things going on? Not really. Like if a band like the Casualties would come through, then it would be maybe younger people would get in because they could make more money off the younger people. But for the most part, I don't think, I guess I wouldn't say it was all ages, but they didn't really check (laughs) (laughs) at the risk of getting them in trouble. But uh, yeah, I mean, because that was where I, I hate to say I grew up there, but I went to shows there and would hang out there and I was really young, so. I would just lie and say I was 18 or something. I don't know. <laughs> no one cared. Were you playing house parties? and? Um, a couple, but that was not until I was kind of older. And uh, There were a couple house shows, like places with shows around town. But um, that was sort of a different vibe by the time I was doing that. I mean, it was kind of the nicer, cleaner people <laughs> were doing that. Um, just more of an indie rock scene i think because when i think of all ages clubs i think of like really boring places when i think of something that i would have liked to do as a teenager it was a place that i had to sneak in and like not tell my parents that was more fun to me than like the all ages club we've got board games and a a christian band (laughs) i guess that was the kind of thing (laughs) i'm thinking of and i remember playing a couple places like that and there would literally be like two kids there that were like my little brother's friends or something so it was more of like, yeah, I just wanted to play like the house shows and the Bernie's places where you had to sort of pretend you were not underage and be cool. <laughs> I don't know. It'll let down once you become 21 and find out that. <sighs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's weird to be an adult now because I still sometimes feel like when someone cards me, I'm like, oh no, but I don't know. It's just, it's nice and liberating to just be an adult now. And now I look at the kids that I was acting like with this sort of shame. <laughs> God, I never want to go back there. That would be my hell to be 15 again. <laughs> the tour before this was, it wasn't probably the tour, but time kind of blends together. But we went out to the West Coast and kind of a crappy tour to begin with. Like, I don't know why it started off so bad, but we had like a new drummer sort of a fill-in guy, and uh, everything was going wrong, and I was just trying to explain that things aren't usually like this, and, you know, we usually get paid, and the promoters don't try not to pay us, and we usually don't not get any beer at the show, and then finally we get to the middle of Texas. We're driving to L.A. from uh, Houston, I think, and uh, stop for tacos and get back in the car, and it's just like... (laughs) Like not working at all and the transmission had basically blown up i don't know how all that stuff works but we had to get a new transmission and uh it really sucked because it was in the middle of this sort of already crappy tour and but it was lucky because we were in like san antonio instead of you know past san antonio where what the hell would we have done between la and and texas there's like nothing yeah, and you're just like, ah, any money you had is is going to the person 
fixing your transmission now. <laughs> and they're like, so you're rock stars, eh? Like, yeah. <laughs> you always have to have that conversation. Like, I think, uh, I'm sure it was a joke, but the guy that fixed it, uh, we somehow convinced him to get it done really quickly. And he was like, yeah, I told the guy with the transmission that you were fog hat. <laughs> like, <laughs> so <laughs> it got fixed super quick. <laughs> awesome. I had a flight um, a couple of years ago out of Nashville to somewhere where fog hat was on the flight. Oh yeah. And they were all wearing fog hat t-shirts. Why would you do that? <laughs> I would definitely say that ever since I've been touring a lot, it's definitely, uh, my social anxiety has gotten less intense. Like, I can actually go out and do things by myself. <laughs> because, I mean, I'm pretty, pretty ridiculous. It's, it was pretty bad for a while. Like, I didn't really leave the house or do anything. <laughs> so, I'm, I'm glad that since I've been touring, and especially going to Europe has helped me. Because... You feel like you're going to go over there and everyone's going to yell at you in German or something. I mean, that's the way I thought because I was just afraid to talk to people. Um, and now that I've been there and talked to people, you know, in other languages and, you know, gotten to know their cultures, it's like once I come home, it's like I'm in America. I've lived here my whole life. I think I can handle going to order a sandwich and know that the person is not going to take out a pair of scissors and stab me in the jugular, you know? <laughs> like, um... I've just been trying to, like, take the bus and do stuff like that because I don't drive, which is also a part of social anxiety <laughs> for me. So, you know, the other day my friend was like, let's hang out. And I just said, I'm going to hop on the bus and go up and hang out with my friend because this is ridiculous. I'm sick of being shut in my house all the time. And so I got on and the lady yelled at me for not having my fare ready. And I was like, okay, whatever. You just yelled at me. You didn't kill me or mangle my body like I'm fine I got yelled at it's okay like and it's just important to keep things like that in mind like no one's unless someone actually hurts you in some way like don't be stupid and walk down a dark alley to conquer your fears and get bludgeoned but uh I would definitely recommend traveling as much as possible or at least taking a walk sometimes <laughs> <laughs> I mean Maybe I have more than social anxiety to deal with, but uh, I've definitely been just a much happier person since I've been touring and realized that the world does not revolve around me because I think a lot of it was maybe maybe a little bit of arrogance thinking that people actually give a shit about me and like not to be like, oh, self-pitying, but like, you know, the person, not everyone you walk by is thinking your hair looks stupid or or you're an idiot. But I'm thinking that about everybody else. Maybe that's why I'm so scared. <laughs> I've noticed that. Like, someone's crossing the street, I'm like, nice hat. And then I'm like, oh my God, that's what I'm worried about. That's why I am worried about that. <laughs> what can I say? <laughs> we're doing Little Rock tonight, so we're playing the Whitewater, which I'm excited to play there because I usually play like a bigger venue there, but the Whitewater is going to be a lot more like intimate and fun. And then Dallas on Sunday, uh, we're playing the Double Wide, which is another cool venue. Actually, the last time we played there, uh, Ben, my husband, almost killed my dad because he <laughs> – and 
not intentionally, but he, uh, we had had this horrible day of like getting pulled over by the cops and like, you know, accused of being drug dealers and murderers and all that fun stuff. And, uh, so by the time we got to the gig, we were just like ready to kick ass and we play this awesome show. And as Ben's like putting his bass away, the end pin or whatever it's called is sticking out. And my dad's like walking towards the audience, clapping and like, woo, and then just goes flying over the end pin of Ben's bass and off the stage, which is like (laughs) as tall as me. And he like hit his hand really hard and it was swollen to the size of a baseball glove. (laughs) So I'm excited to go back there and not have anyone die or get injured. Well, I appreciate you uh, stopping by and yeah, thanks and hanging out me. in the living room. <laughs> uh, I hope you guys have a, a safe drive to, to Arkansas. Thank you. The bad part about a long drive to Arkansas is when you when you end up getting there, you're in Arkansas. <laughs> I'd like to thank everybody for listening in, and I'd like to thank Lydia for stopping by and chatting with me in my living room in East Nashville. You can find out everything you need to know about Lydia at LydiaLoveless.com. If you'd like to help support this show, just go to OtisGibbs.com, and you can pick up a CD, a T-shirt. You can download any record I've ever made. You can buy one of my photographic prints. You can buy one of Amy's records. You can buy one of Amy's children's books. But anything that you buy... We'll mail from our living room to yours, and we'll even put in a little thank you note. If you'd like to help out but you're a little short on cash, just go to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. Leave a comment on there. It doesn't seem like much, but it goes a long way towards helping us move up in the search rankings and helps a lot more people find out about this show. But if you enjoy this show, you enjoy my music, or you enjoy Amy's music, please take the time to tell a friend and help us spread the word. And if you'd like to send us a message, we'd love to hear from you. Just send it to info at otisgibbs.com. I'm Otis Gibbs. Thanks for giving a damn.